Welcome to VMware's Multi-Cloud Podcast. My name is Eric Nelson, and today I have with me my co-host, David Jasso. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eric. Fantastic. Well, on the show today, we're going to be talking to Harman uh, Vanderlin. Uh, he's out of the CTO office. He is a senior architect, and we're going to be talking about observability in modern apps. David, why don't you introduce Harman? All right. Hey, Harman. Hey, great to have you on the show today. Hey, Harman, uh, you're you're in the Octo Group, so the uh, office of the CTO. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your role there and uh, how you came to VMware and some of your background. I, it's really interesting, and I think your audience would love to hear about it. Okay, David. Uh, David and Eric, thank you for the invite. Let me say that first. Um, yeah, very quickly about my role and maybe a little bit my background. Um, I'm part of the, um, within Octo, we have different organizations and I'm part of the cloud architecture team. I'm currently um, leading a newly formed team. It's the cloud data platforms team. Um, and in a nutshell, what we're doing is we're focusing on technologies that um, make it easier to uh, deploy kind of distributed stateful applications like databases and, and in-memory compute systems on VMware cloud infrastructure. Um, there's a lot of complexity there, and really what we're trying to figure out is how we can make it easier for our customers to deploy these distributed applications that are becoming kind of mainstream in many, many customer, um, you know, application deployments, what we've seen. Um, I joined VMware last year, and um, I came from a city group, and there I've been running uh, the um, the IT monitoring organization. That's kind of before the time uh, of um, observability, so to speak. But still called monitoring. Um, but certainly, I think in my days, and I had a great team with me, um, we really implemented the whole observability solution for a fairly large uh, Kubernetes, a global Kubernetes uh, infrastructure. And it was a great learning experience for me. Did it a number of years. And before Citigroup, um, I was actually on the vendor side, similar to, to what I do now, and I was running a product management team in Cisco for a number of years. So I've been kind of going back between uh, the vendor side and uh, the end user side. So it started actually at, at AT&T for a number of years where I was uh, running the network management operations team for one of their large scale networks. And it's been a great journey so far. And I like both perspectives. It's good to yeah, see awesome. things yeah. at the same time also build products. It has some very good synergy for me to kind of go back and forth. Great. Great. You came in with, uh, like, followed in Greg Lavender is our CTO. He came from City. You worked with Greg at uh, at City. That's right. That's correct. Yeah, I've been yeah. following Greg. Uh, I've been following Greg uh, since um, I think Cisco days. Cool, awesome. Hey, I just uh, uh, just a quick question before we go on this on history. Sure. Citigroup, from a scale perspective, it's like massive, right? Like, could you just give us a little bit of uh, how big are, are some of you know these environments where you have VMs and applications running? Can you give us a scale of how big that operation was? Yeah, absolutely. Although exact numbers, obviously, uh, I cannot provide, but I can tell you, <laughs> uh, think in, in terms of you know hundreds and thousands, right? So it is very large. More importantly, also, and I think that's very typical for any large, certainly financial organization. Um, there's a lot of different applications. There's thousands and literally thousands of business applications deployed on that infrastructure. So there's a lot of complexity that kind of comes along with it, right? And that's in addition to all the regulatory security and compliance requirements. Um, but it has been for me at least, but I think for many people, a very good learning ground, right? To, to really kind of understand not only how you deploy um, cloud technologies at skills, but also to in such a way that it's compliant. 
right? And that, that, that is very hard. And I think for a lot of financials, it becomes harder, you know, by the day, right? So uh, there's a lot of good technology options, I think, out there in the market. Um, but at the same time, making that translation of how you apply these technologies for the different uh, industry segments of you know enterprises, that is actually where I think there's a lot of complexity. So certainly yeah. I've dealt with it quite a bit in, in Citigroup as well. So anyway, Eric, so definitely think about one hundreds and thousands Right of 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 you know server host systems and what have you. So this is this is a, a large scale, no question. Very very challenging, very challenging. So Harmon, uh, great uh, training with uh, Citibank on scale. We're, you know we're talking today about observability and uh, some of the work the team's been doing around observability and creating a new framework for it. Uh, you and I have had some conversations about observability. I've been in the involved in the enterprise management space for at least fifteen years and. You know some of the distinctions around observability versus monitoring. To me, um, you know, it's not so much there's a huge difference between the intention, but it's kind of what's changed to a great degree is uh, kind of the 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 scale of the problem, and then sort of who's the audience for. It. Maybe you can talk about uh, the differences between observability and monitoring as as you see it, and um, you know what do you think are the big distinctions there. No, absolutely glad to. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, also um, on the on the white paper, um, the uh, the Octo Architecture team has published actually a couple of I think very interesting white papers. But really, what we're trying to do is define right a, a, a problem. So I think it, it clarifies I think the problem statement and also at least drive you know an architecture view on top of it. And for observability, is a very similar approach we were taking. Um, you know, observability has been a bit of a buzzword, to be frank, right, the last two, two years. And before observability, we had AI ops, right? And and um, you see a lot of vendors and I think industries that try to adopt the terminology without actually understanding what's going on and repeating kind of the same terminology. And I think that's not very helpful. So in a nutshell, uh, we try to explain in the white paper uh, really kind of the concept, but we think, you know, from a VMware perspective, what really observability is all about and how you can implement it, right? And how it impacts in terms of how you implement, specifically, I think, cloud, um, you know, processes and what to have, have you, because it really kind of, I think, is very closely related to it. So what I usually do, right, to start, okay, what is observability? More importantly, how is it different to monitoring, just to frame it? Um, I usually define uh, observability as a, a discipline where, intelligence is applied to different types of telemetry data and that then in turn you know the um, provides an input for automation right as well as kind of actionable outputs for decision level decision making right by operations but also by management right to me that's the essence of what it is to me it's all about actionable data and um, the way i look at it if you compare if you contrast um, observability um, against like traditional monitoring. I think observability is kind of, you know, stepping in where monitoring left off, to put it in a simple way, right? It's kind of an, a superset. And um, I think what happened is monitoring traditionally was about collecting some, you know, specific set of telemetry data, typically in silos. So for example, you would have a log collector, you would have a metrics collector, you would collect that data, you would produce some re reports. Right, and on Blue Monday, if something was was wrong, you would start looking at these reports to kind of see, you know, what was going on in the underlying, you know, IT technology domains. Um, I think what's going on now with observability, it's not so much a term, but I think what's really the concept that's behind it, right, is that uh, first of all, um, I think we have to collect much more data nowadays, right? 
IT environments are becoming much more complex, right? We have now data centers, we have a cloud, we have hybrid cloud, we have containerization, we have microservices, right? So there's a lot of moving parts going on. So I think one, um, we need to basically collect much more data from various more large point, actually large number of endpoints. Um, the data itself, you know, will be a combination of metrics, uh, probably traces, a little bit of logs and what have you. So it becomes a heterogeneous set of data now something you have to deal with. And the only way to make sense out of that increasing amount of, of data is to apply more intelligence, right? So with it's analytics, search analytics, or even ML or what have you, right? So that piece I think is very important as well. And then I think thirdly, that's important as well, often forgotten is why, you know, why is this now so becoming important? Well, I think see, with cloud, what comes along with cloud is self-service capabilities, right? We enable now like application teams, right? Developers to set up their own deployment environments. So what that also means is that we get more and more users that need to get access, right? To the telemetry data, just to understand, right? What has been deployed and whatsoever. So I think that's a third, uh, you know, kind of additional, I think, aspect that is introduced by, uh, observability, right? So more, more users going to use it. Uh, you're going to basically use uh, telemetry data. Um, and basically it's all about, I think, making the data you collect, right? From a more complex environment actionable, right? Mm -hmm. That's in the end of the net result. And I think it's a little bit different than in the old days where it was more static reporting. I yep. think that doesn't work anymore, right? Because I think cloud is about agility. You want to do things faster, right? But it also means you need to have kind of a real-time feedback loop to understand what has changed, what has been deployed, or what has moved. And with that instant feedback means you need to have more capabilities to aggregate the data, process the data, and make sure the data you know, is, is delivered to the various end users that, uh, that need it. Yeah, you know, I talked about this idea that, uh, you, know, you know, there's a lot of uh, distinction made in the marketplace around monitoring silos versus sort of an application view, but, you know, you and I talked that uh, even, you know, for years, you know, going back, you know, we were implementing, uh, you know, monitoring at the application layer and then tying it together with the underlying silos. But I think a couple of big differences we talked about is that we were mostly doing that in the data center, which was a fairly static environment, a lot less change, versus doing it in the cloud where everything's changing all the time. And you also have a, you know, a pretty hard break between the application layer and the infrastructure because that infrastructure is very fungible, right? It's moving all the time and applications. And then you get microservices, which then, you know, explode the number of things you're monitoring. So that was a big change from monitoring in the past. So it's more around the distinction between, you know, what does it take to manage the data center versus the cloud? And the other big thing, the other big change was the audience, right? You know, you, you see the rise of the um, site reliability engineer, you know, in sort of modern apps. Uh, and that person as a consumer of the data and their needs are just different than what IT ops had, right? I think we talked a bit about that as well. Maybe yeah. comment on that. No, I agree. Um, I, I think the concept of, of the new role of SREs, I think is very interested, right? And it's also referred to as full stack engineers. Um, I, I think definitely, you know, that that's kind of a model uh, came from the hyperscalers, right? That are, I think, ahead of most enterprises, um, right? And we try to introduce these disciplines now also in, I think, traditional enterprises. Um, uh, I think that uh, that definitely is an interesting trend because that's a new type of end user, absolutely true. They typically need to have much deeper insight, right? Throughout the stack 
to understand not only application runtime, right, characteristics, but also need to understand the underlying like Kubernetes platform and even maybe service resources, what have you. So have quote unquote, a full stack view. At the same time, typically it's also to, um, I, I think needed for like an SRE, a full stack engineer, they need to also have insight, not only kind of vertical in a vertical way, right, full stack, but also I think across, right, the domains, meaning whether it's, you know, if it's a hybrid environment, see on-prem, off-prem, or between a technology domains. So you're absolutely right. I think having these more uh, full stack engineers, SREs, right, there is definitely driving a need for a more holistic view, right, of set of data, telemetry data that we can make accessible, right, to these types of uh, end users. No question. Yeah, and, tech, and different technologies as well, right? Because you don't have this sort of monolithic top to bottom, you know, unchanging thing that you can sort of monitor as a whole thing. You have to have some technologies that can deal with the fact that all the layers are disconnected and then bring that together, right? I think there's been a rise of a whole different set of technologies as well yeah. in the observability space. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys definitely are, you know, digging into this. Maybe you could talk a bit about sort of the framework you guys are coming up with. And, you know, again, remember this is, uh, I like to say radio. <laughs> it's not radio, of course, but it's the same idea, right? Is no, we're not putting up slides. And maybe you can walk us through the framework, some of the major building blocks and how you guys yeah. see this fitting together. No, 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 I would, would, would love to. The um, uh, Just to give you the context, so this framework is not like, um, uh, try to kind of reinvent an OSI model, okay, to kind of formalize a set of of, of capabilities, right, and functions to build the uh, the so-called observability solution. That's not what we are after. Uh, the idea is the following. Um, I've seen also based on my own experience, quite often you see in enterprises, lot of architects or, you know, network management or IT architects, they typically have a set of tools, right, probably your favorite vendor, right, and you can fill in the names. Right. And then basically it's like a hammer and nail kind of, you know, methodology, meaning that, okay, they have their existing tools. So basically the way they try to frame the, the discussion about, okay, how can I transform my tools, right, to, to kind of build an observability solution? Um, it, nothing wrong per se, but I, I think um, it's a little unfortunate because I think it, when you constrain yourself that way, um, I think you're missing out on a lot of, uh, I think, missing uh, important questions you need to ask. So the whole idea of this framework is just to provide a, you know guide guidance right a framework more for for people that are interested for example to evaluate their current state of their monitoring kind of tooling or maybe they want to build a brand new solution or maybe they want to compare right vendor solutions or what have you right just to give them some some guiding reference right of, of areas that they probably want to explore more to really, um, you know, to, to at least come to, you know, in their own way, basically to kind of an SRE solution. Either they build a new one, they want to transform the existing infrastructure. And having said that, uh, we basically came up with a, um, I think it's, uh, yeah, five layers, five layer model. And then each layer, think about it, right? Uh, just for the listeners to visualize. So each layer is kind of building on top of the next layer, so to speak. And if you kind of start with the bottom, so that's the, the instrumentation layer. So those, those are the tools, right? Typical like agents, right? Or, um, you know, uh, libraries <clears throat> um, that really are used to generate, right? Telemetry data. It can be anything mm -hmm. like metrics, can be logs, right? Or, or traces, right? Or a combination of all these three. So a couple of things there, and that's kind of described also in the white paper, right? We just give some guidance in terms of why you probably want to look at, right? So one thing that I've, 
dealt with in my uh, deployment experience, both at some of my previous companies, is that quite often what you see happening is that on, on whether it's you know an OS server OS or what have you, it seems that there's multiple teams that all want to basically you know have data. Okay, like for example, OS resource data. So quite often you will have 10 or 50 monitoring agents on that. And at the same time, everyone's complaining that the server performance is so low, right? Mm -hmm. No surprise. Yeah. But the reason is that, that nobody has, has done that analysis to kind of really say, hey, what is the data we need to extract, right, from a particular resource? Whether it's a Kubernetes node, service node, it doesn't matter, EXX node, right? And, and the whole idea is for, hey, if you started the instrumentation first to kind of see, hey, what's out there today and what do you need? And do you have an opportunity just to kind of unify some of these collection agents? And that's actually very important. Right. Instead of having yeah. 10, can you kind of, you know, replace it by one or two agents, for example? You just on that topic, uh, how does that change as you get out into the cloud? Because obviously, you know, the whole agentry paradigm sort of evolved when you owned everything, right? The yeah. IT owned everything and could put an agent on things. You get on the cloud, you, somebody else's stuff. Well, how do you deal with that in the cloud, basically? Yeah, well, I, I, good point. Um, in the cloud, I think you have more flexibility, right? So I think one option is, is to, for example, to deploy your own, own agent, right? That's one thing. And then most cloud providers have their native, right, kind of, um, um, kind of monitoring services. Mm -hmm. Built in, right? If you have like in a compute instance, then typically there's some sort of an API where you can pull, right? Metrics, right. And I think it's really a matter of granularity, right? Do you need to have just a base level metrics? You probably can use a standard monitoring API, but do you want to do more? Which happens quite a bit. Then you probably are kind of, you know, um, you have to rely on like an external agent, right? And kind of deploy it yourself, which is perfectly fine. Right, but that's got the instrumentation layer. There's a whole sets of issues there, but it's definitely worthwhile, I think, for people to really investigate. I think the good news is that there's a lot of uh, open source options now in terms of open source tools and agents that allow you to generate that data and integrate it into, you know, application runtimes or in Kubernetes clusters, for that matter, which is, which is, I think, very, very good. It gives you a lot of flexibility and options to pull data right out of your infrastructure and out of the different layers of your infrastructure. But definitely, I think um, quite often it's forgotten in terms of, of okay, to really architect, architect these types of software component in, mm -hmm. I think, scalable way. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. number one. The following layer is kind of natural, right? Is that, okay, so how do you collect the data? So data is being generated from different nodes, from different containers, right, or what have you, application runtimes. Then how do you collect that, right, in in, in a um, efficient way, scalable way? And then you also also questions. Then, for example, um, when we were running monitoring Kubernetes clusters, we had a very strict production requirement that there's always you know uh, one one to one resiliency. So we actually had two streams of metrics going to two separate locations, right? Um, those are questions you need to ask. And I see quite often in production environments that people start to figure that out once everything is already deployed as an afterthought, right? It's really unfortunate. It's good to kind of think that through beforehand, right? And then the other thing I want to say here also with data collection, we see an increasing, right, kind of, uh, I think, number of kind of SaaS-based monitoring services, which is very, very interesting. But it also requires then security, right? And how do you set up your security policies? How do you set set up your firewall rules? So there's a whole bunch of things that kind of come into play to how you can optimize that, right? In in a kind of a scalable way. So that's kind of the collection part. So that's the second layer. The third one is policy and control. That's all about okay. Once I have collected the data, so where do I store it, right? Do I have one kind of repository of data 
right, of one database of data where I can collect everything, right? Which is kind of the ultimate goal, but quite often that, that's quite difficult, right? Case in point, where do you have your logs, your metrics, your traces? Do you want to have the separate databases or can you actually consolidate it? And then the other question comes by, uh, with, uh, okay, how long do you want to keep the data for? That's a very important mm -hmm. question. Yeah. Right? Especially when you have these large environments, that's my personal experience as well. It's absolutely mind-boggling if you see how the volumes of terabytes of data you actually pull in every week. So you really need to have good life cycle policies around that. Because you, and because quite often you don't need, for example, you don't need to keep logs right, from, from development environments more than a couple of days. Right? But my, it's a very important question to ask. Right? My sense is, uh, you know, like this data aspect is is pretty broad, right? It goes well beyond this because, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, on any application, you sort of have to ask, you have to answer a set of questions around the data. You know, how sensitive is the data? What's the risk of loss? Uh, I, I find this area one that I think most organizations do a poor job on. Is that sort of your experience as well? That this is sort of an, is often just completely a non, not an area that people focus on in terms of the whole data. What data do I have? How do I control it? How do I manage it? It seems to be. Now, David, I think you're spot on. Let me give you an anecdote. Um, I've seen that typically this becomes an important issue after the first real production outage, mm -hmm. right? Because then suddenly, you know, you see that end users start to realize that I need they need to have certain data to do um, troubleshooting, right? And post-mortem analysis. And quite often or not, um, the discovery is that certain data is not available or it, it's not easily accessible, right? So I think the whole idea of this framework, what you're trying to do is, hopefully help right end users give them some guidelines to think through these you know i think very archi important architecture aspects beforehand right we absolutely right that's my experience as well um uh, this whole notion of, of how do you manage the data right and one thing i didn't mention yet but it's also how long you want to keep the data for but also who can access what data mm -hmm. very important yep. Yeah, for me, me watching this play out and having run a data center for a while in my career, it's like there's three trends here that I just see that are making this even more. One is security, right? And, uh, you know, and and the fact that we have in organizations around the globe that are trying to come in and blackmail companies. So the idea of actually being able to, you know, keep track of this is becomes really important. That's one trend, right? That you just you just can't be like, well, because we went down, we, we, we need to go fix it. It's also, it's largely a security paradigm that starts to play here and then modern applications also just like it has become more complicated right it used to be you'd have somebody deliver software install it and that you ran that and you could have siloed applications because that's how they were developed but now with modern apps that just just makes the the problem 10 times worse uh that you know and then the the hybrid nature of the cloud and cloud services that are coming from everywhere it just seems like these three are like a perfect storm that if you don't have a an architecture in place you're just gonna just going to be impossible to operate a data center. Yeah. Now, uh, fair point. And just to add, I think, Eric, in my experience is that typically a lot of these issues are only addressed after some something, you know, <laughs> right. bad happens. You know, right. it becomes a forcing factor. And, uh, you know, of course, then it's crisis mode, unfortunately, right? And um, for ideas that, hey, if you do some more forward-looking thinking right ahead of time, uh, you can hopefully prevent at least some of them, right? That's the idea. And just to finish up, I, I think that framework, right? So we were talking about instrumentation, the data collection, and then you have the policies and the controls, right? So the fourth layer is really the analytics, right? Meaning, so how are you going to use the data? Um, I think there's a, 
a lot of very interesting technologies out there um, that, that can do search analytics, right? Obviously, you want to plug Tensor Observability Wavefront that I'm using extensively. Um, but it gives you a lot of, you know, advanced capabilities to look at these very complex data sets, right? And um, it's important, I think, to really think through in terms of how you want to use the data. And I think interesting now, you see finally a little bit, you know, machine learning is starting to come. I think it's pretty, personally, I think it's still pretty far out, but it's good to start thinking about mm -hmm. that, right? How do you want to use the data? And finally, right, the top layer, right, the end users, right, the end of the day, who's actually going to use it? And one thing that I've seen, Right. So, for example, it used to be like, you know, applications, right? And it was operations. And now actually suddenly you see that that whole scope basically diverging, meaning that it's not just one infrastructure team, right? Um, you have, of course, maybe a server team. You have then a Kubernetes platform team, capacity management team, right? Um, this is, of course, security team, right? So before you know it, you have five or six different, you know, basically key stakeholders that all need access to the data, right? But different types of purposes. And, and more importantly, also on, on the application side, it's not just like application team, right? You will have an, a developer team that probably wants to look at something. You have the, the test test team, right? And then you have the production deployment team and you have probably a production support team, right? So right there, you already have 10 kind of stakeholders that are interested in data, right? Yeah. So it's very good to um, not only have a bottoms up approach, but also have these conversations Right with these end users, so hey, what data do you need? What reporting do you, do you need? And what have you? Right. So, yeah, this strikes me. That's the, the like where we, when we started, we were talking about the differences between monitoring and uh, observability, and these top two layers really seem to me are sort of the key to sort of the new paradigm of observability. Because when you get into you know the analytics, this is where you know you talked about tools like Wavefront. I mean. That there's orders of magnitude differences in the scale that people are dealing with at that layer than in the past. And that, so you need a completely new set of technologies and there are a brand new set of technologies around that space. And then, as you said, you've got, you know, you know, an explosion in the end users as well, where, you know, before it would have been a one IT ops team kind of consuming all this stuff. Now you've got all these different teams and they all have different capabilities and, you know, different requirements. And so that's very different as well. Yeah. And maybe one final thing here. Um, what we also discussed this notion of SLOs, right? It's, it's kind of one of those terms that I think really has become very popular as part of the, the observability discussion and SRE discussion, actually. But the whole idea is that, hey, we're getting more and more data, right? And we all have our day jobs. And you just don't have the time anymore, right, to kind of look at this data, even if you want, maybe for troubleshooting, but just on a regular day. You just want to have some sort of high-level metrics, right? That's literally what I did in my organization as well, right? And then, you know, whatever you manage, right? That you have a couple of high-level metrics you can look at, right? As a discussion point and also kind of track, right? So, hey, are we gay? Are we good? Or we're not good, right? So I think this notion of abstraction, right? And formalize it in mutual agreed on type of, you know, service objective is a little bit more fancy word to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's becoming increasingly important. You need to have that abstraction level. Otherwise, you, you know, you just get so much data and, 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 and it's just not actionable anymore. Right. So. Yeah. So another thing in the white paper you talked about was, um, you know, you sort of make this really kind of real by talking about use cases and personas and uh, maybe you can kind of, you know, highlight some of that work as well that just sort of the, brings this to life, the framework to life. 
Yeah, it's, it's what I mentioned before. It is, um, I think it's about always using a lot of the telemetry data. And, um, and, and that's going to be different for, I think, multiple different teams. I think you kind of keep that in mind. I think design, you know, your, your I think your architecture, right? The monitoring and, and data collection architecture. And uh, one thing we've seen, for example, if you do uh, things like capacity planning, you, you know, you do trending analysis of data sets and typically you don't need to have one minute granularity necessarily. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a trading operations team, right? Uh, I probably want to have one second, you know, frequency of certain metrics, right? So, um, when you start building your system, you just don't know that beforehand, right? So, and and that's the reason why I think it's very important to kind of define, right? Uh, I in the white paper I mentioned personas. It's kind of a way how you can define these different user profiles, right? And and that's I think very important because it's more top down approach, but it's important because that will drive I think a lot in terms of how you start kind of fine tuning your system in terms of frequency, mm -hmm. how much of the type of data you collect but also the frequency of data and how long do you store data. At the end of the day, um, it would serve a specific you know, user group. Otherwise, you shouldn't even, you know, um, basically collect the data in the first place, right? So, yeah. so why I mention it and, and that that's covered, right? And clearly it's different personas. If you look at typical enterprise, it's typically, you know, um, you have architecture, you know, you have then um, support and of course operations. And you see that I think a lot of the lines of these organizations are blurring, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, traditionally, traditionally, you know, clearly we had more siloed organizations. I think to some extent that's that that that's going away. Although I think you will always have some, may may not be explicit, but certainly implicit silos between different teams, right? And um, I, I think it's good to kind of understand that because that will also have an impact in terms of what data needs to be delivered, right? And how you, for example, establish SLO between teams and what have you. Yeah, it strikes me that sort of uh, sort of that's the key to everything, right? Is sort of understanding the personas in those use cases because that goes all the way down to okay, what inst what do I instrument? You know, what analytics do I need to run on that data? What are the data policies I need to put in place? As you said, because based on those use cases, do I need to have this data for forty five days? Do I need it for you know just like the last stream? And you know, assuming nothing happened, I don't need it anymore. Uh, it sort of drives uh, a lot of the architecture you have to put in place uh, around a solution in this space. Yeah, and maybe one one thing to add, David, there as well. And I think that's a bit of a missed opportunity, but uh, and one often overlooked persona is senior management, right? Mm -hmm. um, so quite often what happens is that, you know, if, if you run your IT shop well, nothing happens, right? And of course, you don't hear from senior management up to a point that, you know, some there is a, some sort of major outage, and then you need to present all kinds of data, right? Mm -hmm. And a bit unfortunate, right? So one thing, and we started to do some of that as well, but I think there's a lot of opportunities there. It would be very helpful if with all this data you collect, you also extract certain, you know, high level metrics that, that you can just share, right, with your senior management, right? Clearly it's gonna more it's gonna be more high level, but you know, just to kind of create more awareness, mm -hmm. not necessarily when something goes wrong, but also awareness to for example, of usage of IT infrastructure, right? Number of upgrades of infrastructure. Right. I think it's being overlooked, which is kind of a missed opportunity. Right. That makes sense. You, you want to be able to demonstrate that things are going well because IT is doing its not, job, not just because they're not needed. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of opportunities. I'm certainly very interested in that because I, I think at the end of the day, what's very hard is to translate right, the value of core IT to senior management. 
right? And mm -hmm. with someone today, they have an opportunity to at least do that, right? So. Yeah, I thought the I thought I thought the white papers really um, really does a great job talking about observability and sort of what you need to do and architect a solution. So I think um, you know it's a nice piece, nice addition to um, the thinking around observability. You, you guys end the white paper by talking about sort of what is the state of observability, kind of as a concept and as market adoption. Maybe you talk a little bit about that and. And we can bridge to sort of how people get a hold of things and what's coming next for you guys. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, Dave. The um, I just want to I think mention four I think specific items. I'm pretty sure there are more, but at least for me, that what comes to mind is um, I think clearly I think there's much more awareness about the need for collecting metrics and data from your IT infrastructure and application estate, right? Just to be able to mm -hmm. to handle that. Um, but also, I think at the same time, what I see in the industry, it becomes a little bit more. It becomes a little bit more now also uh, clear that hey, uh, monitoring or observability, for that matter, is really a big data problem, right? Mm -hmm. And increasingly, part of your architecture, part of your solution, not probably has to have to include, you know, have to uh, include some big data tooling or analytics just to kind of mm -hmm. be able to manage effectively. I see increasingly, I see that also across the industry. I see a lot of vendors, right, product vendors, um, that basically try to kind of work towards an approach, right? So meaning it's not just like, you know, um, I, I collect um, logs or, or metrics. No, I need to collect multiple streams of data and then basically have a big data approach to really make sense out of it and make it action. Mm -hmm. I, I think that awareness is in there. I think we're beyond just a buzzword. So definitely, I think more and more, this is becoming a mainstream, I think, uh, solution component, right? When, when, when you talk about uh, cloud adoption, for example. Um, the other thing, uh, and I touched on that already, uh, which I think is very encouraging. You see a lot of open source options now for telemetry instrumentation which I think is a great thing, um, especially it gives, I think, end user uh, options, right? Um, to, and different ways how you can extract data, right? Metrics and, and log data out of different layers of the IT infrastructure. And I think it's a good thing. I think more data is better, right? And I think if you can do that in a flexible, right? Um, a scalable way using any of these uh, open source tools, I think that's a, that's a very good improvement. Now, thirdly, um, yeah, I think, SaaS first, that's certainly a big theme for VMware, but I think you see that uh, across the industry, right? That uh, more and more of the, the monitoring solutions are being offered to end users as a SaaS-based offering, right? For good reasons, right? That uh, um, from, a, from a commercial perspective, but also I think from a overall um, support perspective, mm -hmm. right? So, but I think it will have an impact also on a lot of enterprises, right? Um, in terms of how they can consume it. And it's not always applicable, but definitely you see more and more SaaS-based offering. And sometimes it's more, it complements, right, more traditional products, software product offerings, right? But definitely a trend I, I think you see, uh, we have seen certainly the last uh, year or two. And then the other thing is, uh, there's a concept that's being uh, mentioned quite a lot. It's moving to the left, right? Try to kind of build more intelligence, right, up front, right? And make that part of the deployment. And um, I don't think you know of observability is no exception. I, I think more and more you see that observability is being treated as a first-class citizen, right? So when you deploy an application runtime, when you deploy a Kubernetes cluster, 
or or, or virtualization infrastructure or, or cloud service, right? That at day one, you have basically a stream of metrics and other telemetry data built in, right? Instead of having to kind of, um, you know, uh, install any of these capabilities as day to operation, which was typically the case. I think you see more and more that it's now coming out of the box, which I think is exactly where we need to head out to. Okay. Now, two other things maybe for the future, you know, where I think we are going, it will take some time, but um, we've been talking about analytics, right? Analytics that basically apply to collect the telemetry data. Um, specifically in the Kubernetes space, there's some interesting trends where you see these intelligent controllers, right? Think like auto scalers, right? And and the idea is that um, you know instead of you know sending collecting data and sending it to a centralized point, you can actually just send it to a controller that's running on in a Kubernetes cluster, for example, and have that controller start making decisions, right? Spinning up more pods or resizing supports or what have you right so basically try to push that intelligence within the kind of kubernetes infrastructure so i think there's a lot of uh, opportunity there for for innovation clearly you know telemetry is kind of implied but nevertheless i think it's a very interesting trend there so it's like sre as a service that's a way to, you can look at it and the other one i think is um, more about i think forward looking right predictive capabilities i think we're getting pretty good at um at kind of advanced analytics to to troubleshoot things to figure out to correlate uh you know um failure events to figure out you know what happened exactly um but obviously the ideal world is that you can be a little bit more proactive right that you can do more trend analysis so you can actually predict that at some point the, the potential for some failures uh, scenario and actually start acting on that right i think we're still pretty far out but i think that's another i think big thing that uh, will come our way sooner or later. Cool. Sounds like a sounds like a very interesting set of things that are going to come about. Right. Um, yeah. David, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I have a couple, just a one or two comments here that uh, might 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 throw at Herman here, which is one: uh, if you're in this, where do where like? All right, so you can go listen to vendor pitches, I guess. In the in these things, is there like conferences or is there like a collection of people that get together and you know have discussions around these type of things? Like, is there events or do you have to kind of go to like a VM world and just watch for sessions? Where are people actually having these conversations around open source technologies and other solutions that that you as an architect here could start to get your hand head around? It's a, that's a fair point. Good point. Um, I, I think something like a KubeCon, right? And there's a and there's also, um, KubeCon is one, QCon is another one. So there's a couple of select conferences. They are not necessarily observability conferences, but they certainly, I think, have typically a set of observability topics in there. So you have more application, right? So KubeCon always is Kubernetes, and clearly there's, right. a, there's big track, you know, theme for, for observability. Yeah. Case of point, Prometheus, FluentD, there's a whole slew of these these interesting tools out there that we also use heavily, right? Um, in the QCon, I think it's more like an application-based focus conference. So think about Spring Framework, right? Where we're leading uh, a set of, you know, efforts there as well, right? Uh, dependency projects related to uh, tracing, for example. Right, so th that, that kind of comes to mind uh, from my perspective in terms of where you can really, um, have these conversations. I'm not aware of, of one single forum, unfortunately. Right. Um, on the other hand, I think it's another way to look at it, um, and that is 
I, I think more and more observability, monitoring for that matter, is becoming more an integral component of whatever technology, whether it's the Kubernetes space, whether it's application space, instead of being a standalone discipline, right? And and maybe that's a good thing, right? And because I think that's where we need to get to. Uh, needless to say, there's a lot of, you know, each vendor nowadays, there's a lot of vendors out there, interesting vendors, I have to say, right? That, that, that have their own, right, conferences, but clearly um, sometimes there's, naturally some bias right to a specific product or solution okay so the next one uh, my second follow-up and then I'll, I'll give it back to david is uh, have you seen anybody do this really well and what are the kind of key takeaways that you've seen where they've done it well and then the flip side have you seen somebody do it really bad and what were the key things we should avoid if you so what were the two good practices and two bad practices that you would fall into yeah, this is a tricky answer. The uh, of a tricky question. Good Without question. throwing anybody under the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No uh, names. <laughs> I, I tend Except to, for the good ones. What my team did at Citigroup, I'm still proud of, and I do think that was a good thing. I won't say that set the standard for for the whole industry. No question. No, um, I, I, it's, I think, clearly the hyperscalers, right? I think they have clearly set a standard in terms of how you can build. I think observability capabilities right at scale right and for full stack monitoring now I, I think the only flip side there is as I'm, i think i mentioned early in the beginning um the difference is in a hyperscaler is you have a handful of applications at a very very large scale clearly a very difficult problem um you have to reverse problem in a typical large enterprise meaning you have smaller size applications but you have a lot of them thousands of them right so there the the uh, the, the challenge you have is, is is not necessarily the skill, but it's the diversity of applications and teams and how can you come up with a streamlined approach, right, to build these observabilities there, capabilities there. And it comes back to, I think, your second part, okay, who, who's doing it, hasn't done it very effectively, to say it in a politically correct way. Um, I think most, I've seen a lot of enterprises that are still struggling a little bit to really uh, kind of implement a more holistic um kind of observability solution. And the reason I think is, um, as typically is the case, there's a lot of legacy tools out there. And there's still, I think, with it comes, you know, the alignment with specific, you know, teams or organizations, and they all want to kind of, you know, grasp their own kind of little tools. And I think it's just a very difficult conversation and, and also um, journey, right, to kind of at least have a conversation about, hey, we don't need to have 10 different tools, right, to collect the same things. We can just basically collect, you know, have one single unified tool, right, collected once, stored in one centralized, you know, policy controlled kind of infrastructure and make it available whoever needs it, right? I think that's a long journey and it will take time. So I, I'm not gonna call out any specific companies, no. but I can only imagine any company with a huge legacy of tooling vendors out there Will have a struggle and it will take time to kind of evolve into more normalized kind of uh, observability data collection architecture right so. that makes sense and and i guess with kubernetes being a big refactor kind of uh, event this might be a good time for you know a company that is starting to refactor apps to really take a look at this framework and try to try to put something in place as you start to refactor apps so these things slot into yeah. that no yeah, absolutely and, and, and that's a good segue and that's also what we did clearly you cannot change the world overnight. But you're absolutely right. Um, Kubernetes gives you a nice entry point, at least for those new environments, try to do it right, right? Try to normalize on the tools, 
right? And how you collect and manage data. You're absolutely right. And that's what we did as well. And I've, I've seen that I've seen that as well. And I think that's a good opportunity to get started. No question. Right. Cool. So, um, Harmon, how can uh, folks learn more about what you guys are doing? I mean, there's a white paper. Or is there anything else? And you know, yeah. So the white paper can... is very simple. I think for the for the audio use, uh, you know, attendees, um, just type in Octo Observability Framework. Three separate uh, words. That will bring you to the Octo VMware website, and yeah, there, you know, you see the blog, and you can just download the white paper. Um, certainly interested to hear feedback and what have you. Um, secondly, we, um, together with the Tanso observability team, the Wavefront team, we did an, uh, a session for actually a lot of people in VMworld. And uh, the session ID is Octo3016. So OC, Charlie, OT. So Octo3016. And you can, there you can just go to the uh, VMworld.com. No, um, pull it out from there. And then, yeah, thirdly, um, I, I'm certainly planning some additional blogs and what have you. So definitely check out, um, you know, the blogs uh, by Octo, right? And um, uh, you can learn more. And if uh, and if people want to become a, a fan of Herman, um, are you on Twitter? And I see that you've got other, you know, if I Google you, I, I see other white papers out there as well. So might be somebody uh, we want to follow. I appreciate it. Uh, I do post typically on LinkedIn. Um, so definitely that that's uh, that's probably a good starting point. Twitter, I still need to kind of uh, uh, get used to, to, so to speak. Um, but I will start using that a little bit more. But for now, just stick with LinkedIn. LinkedIn you... is great. A lot of people use LinkedIn for exactly this type of content. So it's good. For any, you know, at least any announcements of any publication, right. I always post it there. And that's probably. Right. And if you're if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, I'll spell his name for you. It's H A R M E N van v-a-n-d-e-r-l-i-n-d-e so there you go you can uh, you can look for him on linkedin and give him a follow and check out his papers pretty 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 nice all right well it's been great having you harman uh good catching up with you uh always fun to talk very nice it was a pleasure thanks for the invite eric very nice meeting you stay nice in time. you yep thanks a lot yep all right thanks everyone <laughs>